0: Win sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers.
1: We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo,
0: quick pass, caught
1: by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle, he's gonna
2: go. Touchdown. All right, I'll get this thing kicked off. This is Candlestick Chronicles, it's a 49ers podcast. We are live on Locker Room. We're talking 49ers free agency. It's Monday. It's about 8 p.m. Pacific time, and we're talking about everything that the 49ers did and some of the things they maybe did not do in the first day of the legal negotiating period, which opened at 9 a.m. Uh, today, Monday. So we'll run down real quick the moves the 49ers made, and then we'll kind of go through and and discuss each one and again if you want to chat uh, feel free we'll be in and out of there on the app and and same thing if you want to talk to us we'll take uh, calls quote-unquote a little bit later on um, so the first the first couple of moves happened before the legal negotiating window of course Emmanuel Mosley signs a two-year deal which was officially announced today Kyle Juszczyk he agreed to a five-year 27 million dollar deal that will keep him in San Francisco that happened yesterday uh so the moves today, Jason Verrett re-signed on a one year deal. Samson Ebucam from the Rams agreed to a two year deal. He's a pass rusher. Uh really excited to talk about him. He is he is a fascinating player. And then Kendrick Bourne, he signed a three year, twenty two and a half million dollar deal with the Patriots. So he will not be back in San Francisco after four years. Chris, I'm going yes. to assume you're there. There he is. I'm here. All right. Party on! I was very afraid there at first that you had somehow gotten disconnected, but you're here. We're talking. Yeah, the technology's working this time. Excellent. we love to hear it. So, I guess I guess we'll start at the top. Let's let's start. Uh, I'm gonna skip the Mosley deal. Was that happened a few days ago? He's gonna be a restricted free agent. It looked for all intents and purposes like he would be back. Kyle Ustech, though, the five-year, twenty-seven million dollar deal. We've gotten some. Contract details there that are essentially it looks like it's going to be a three-year deal uh, when it's when it's kind of all said and done. Once you look at the structure, which we are very fond of, we got the structure. <laughs> it's, I, I withheld any reaction to the deal until we had that. Yeah, so, you can't react. So Kyle yeah. check is staying. I don't think it's a significant surprise. It is a little bit of a surprise to me that he opted not to test the market at all first.
3: Yeah, I think that was probably the most surprising part of it. Um, are we going to gloss over and, and we can talk about this later, but we we can't ignore hashtag Kyle and what happened Saturday night.
2: No, let's Fun get into clear. it now with use check.
3: Okay. Um. <laughs> so I, I had heard, uh, through the grapevine that there was a birthday party somewhere and that 49ers brass was celebrating somebody's birthday and so they were not in fact hacked and I think that that came out after the fact but it seemed like given what John Lynch had said and given what Jed York had said they were either enjoying themselves together and thought it'd be a good idea to fire off some tweets or they were getting hacked um, <laughs> and I don't know like so I just really enjoy when people use hashtags for no reason. Like there, there are some people who do who, who like send tech like hashtags and text messages, like for what purpose? Like, I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? Like um, it, there's just, there are just people that, that send hashtags to make a point. And I just think it's the funniest thing ever. And so when Jed York, <laughs> Went hashtag Kyle because Kyle Shanahan is not <laughs> on social media. It was it was just perfect, and and, and I don't Shanahan's know. Shanahan's not
2: knowingly on social media. He definitely has a burner account that he monitors things.
3: Yeah, he might. I think I, I his his wife might or like his kids, but but I I honestly right. really don't think he cares at all about what happens on Twitter, which which is what makes it so funny because hashtag Kyle was trending on Saturday night. So, great um, job by
2: 49ers Twitter on that. Yeah,
3: part. and I it, yeah, good job by everybody involved. Um and I'm I'm wondering if the like, idea is the <laughs> Go
1: ahead.
3: No, I'm just really I, I really want to ask Kyle about his reaction to the hashtag and the fact he was trending just to see what he would say. I don't think he'd go all Bill Belichick on us with like my face and and all that stuff. Yeah, but I think Kyle would have a really good reaction to it. So, so I'm curious, uh, or I'm curious if it pissed him off because, like, hey, why are sure. why are these guys tweeting about, you know, like hey. John Lynch? Why is John Lynch tweeting about Kyle U's check on a Saturday night when, when they still have to put pen to paper and all that? Like, why is it's it a, necessary to a, put that
4: out
2: there? It's a funny story. Like, it's a funny, haha! Look at what John Lynch did. Story right up until. <laughs> it becomes a real story because Kyle Shanahan's pissed about it. Like that, that would, that yeah. would be a the fascinating fra- turn. Is that a drunk tweet? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <one>. <laughs> a drunk tweet created a fracture between Kyle Shanahan
2: and John Lynch. <laughs> I don't um, foresee that story being written, but no, no, I don't. It would, I don't be think the, it would be unfortunate because it would make this really funny thing a little bit less funny.
3: Yeah, it would, it would make it a little more serious, but, um,
2: Kyle Uzcheck.
3: Yeah, Kyle Uzcheck. So that Kyle came Juszczyk. down as soon as John Lynch fired that off. Obviously, it makes it seem like they had agreed to the deal at least in principle Saturday night, um, and then they made us sit around all day Sunday before it, it it got leaked that um that it was finalized Sunday evening. Um, and so, right at
2: the point, right at the point of Sunday evening, where it's like, all right, I'm gonna relax. Like, I guess it's just not happening
3: today. And I was visiting my mom in Sacramento, and uh, it was her birthday last week, so I went and hung out with her over the weekend. And I was in bed kind of early Saturday night because I was tired and, and I had been drinking and just checking my phone. And then just seeing, like, <laughs> just seeing the the John Lynch tweet and then the, the Jed York tweet was just, like, hilarious. But it was also annoying. It was like, all right, this use check thing is going to happen tomorrow. i got to work on Sunday. And then you wait all day, and I had been, I was going to leave Sunday morning, come back to Santa Clara. It's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. But, like, I was like, no, you know, they're going to re-sign, use check. I, I got to sit here and, and wait on this all day. I waited all day. Um, And then and then I, w- I was packing up to leave. I ate dinner. I was packing up to leave, and as soon as I checked my phone after I was all packed, the story broke, and I had to publish the story. Fortunately, I had already written it, but it was just—it was just one of those annoying things. And no, no one wants to hear me complain about about of all the, of all, the
2: of all the occupational hazards. It's yeah, low on the totem pole of de, de, yeah, and I was talking—we were
3: talking about it with somebody else, like. People, people tell their significant others or friends that, like, oh, I'm busy working. But it, a lot of times in situations like this, we're just kind of waiting to, for, like, news
2: to drop or to hear from people. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy yeah. waiting to be busy.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I just, I just got to be here when this happens. Hey,
2: when re, 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 real quick, real quick, uh, some semi, not 49ers free agent news, but 49ers related free agent news. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting that former Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has reached an agreement with the Washington football team. It's a one-year deal worth $10 million. It could grow to $12 million with incentives. Uh, Fitzpatrick expected to head to camp as a starter with competition from Taylor Heineke. So any dreams of Ryan Fitzpatrick in red and gold have uh, died?
3: Yeah, that's probably more than the 49ers are willing to spend for a backup, and there's, it's much less likely that Fitzpatrick would start in San Francisco than it um then with Washington. Anyway, yeah. Kyle Uschek. Um I think it makes sense. I think there's certainly an argument to be made about paying a fullback, but I think for the 49ers it makes a lot of sense because of how important Kyle Uschek is. Mm-hmm. Um I think the discourse around him people make it seem like he's making 15 million dollars a year when he's really just making about 5. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, you know, he's making guard money, he's making backup tight end money. You know, it's it's not the most like of all the. If you wanted to look at all the potential uh, contract issues the Forty ers have, just in terms of spending, like I would put Kyle Uzcheck way low on the list. Like I would say, they yeah. and and we can talk about D Ford and stuff, but like D Ford's contract, Quan Alexander's contract, maybe Eric Armstead's contract. Like the Forty ers have overpaid guys and have not gotten return on that investment. Weston Richburg's contract. Mm-hmm. Um Jarek McKinnon like they have paid a lot in free agency and they gave they gave use a a pretty sizable contract obviously this is the second straight time he's he's had a record-setting deal for a fullback but to me he's a very good player and the 49ers haven't been limited in terms of the way they've been team building the last four years after getting use and I don't imagine that it's going to prohibit them from doing anything they want or need to do going forward either. So I think it's a good deal. Um he adds an element of versatility and knowledge and intelligence. So um yeah, I, I I think it's a good deal. I think it makes a lot of sense and I think it's the deal is gonna age just fine because the cap's gonna go back up and I don't think people are really gonna bat an eye. Um, yeah, as it's long like a two hundred million dollar
2: cap this year. Yeah. It's not like they signed use check and went well sorry, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I I just I don't think it's that significant of an issue. And if they were going to let Usechek go, they would be replacing him probably with like a Johnny Smith type tight end. And Johnny Smith got cashed out by the Patriots, so they they go like the cheapest possible route of adding what is effectively a second tight end who can do all the things they need him to do in the offense. It just it's not. I get the argument. I get the argument against having a fullback in the modern NFL, but. Um, I just don't. I, I. It's just not a problem.
3: I'll always think about that. Um, that Matt Breida run on the first play of the Monday Night game in 2019 against Browns, right where Kyle Eusebeck is initially supposed to. I think he was supposed to go inside. He sees a free defender, outside, adjusts mid mid play, blocks the right guy, and Matt Breida goes 80 yards or whatever it was for a touchdown. Right? Like, that's just sort of what Kyle Juszczyk is. And you talk to his teammates, like, George Kittle called him the unicorn. Like, they're not... It, it, Kyle Juszczyk's skill set is not easily replicable. Right. right? Like, if if it were, there would be more teams copycatting the 49ers with these versatile fullbacks. Right? Like, I could see that being a trend. Those guys just aren't there. Um, they're not out there, which is sort of why you have to pay a premium for them. And so... Yeah, it, it makes sense to me. And to your point earlier, I think was a good one that um, the surprise was that it happened Sunday before check had a chance to uh, to get to get wooed by other teams, which yeah. presumably yeah. only hap- only started happening this morning around the NFL when the when the negotiating window actually opened. But um, I'm surprised he didn't let himself at the market because he is from the East Coast. I think he's a Long Island guy. I I had thought that the Jets were pro- he had, he was probably more likely to go to the Jets and come back. But um I, it speaks to his relationship with Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan. Um so yeah, it makes sense for the 49ers. I I have no problem with the signing.
2: Yeah, and yeah, I just, that that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. just, with with the influx of fullback usage around the league. Like the 49ers a couple years ago were by far the heaviest two running back 21 personnel. Uh, team in the league, yeah, and that that gap is closed. I think they were like second last year. Um, and there's there's three or four teams that are that are really starting to use it more. So, uh, I think for that, sure he was good. Our,
3: our buddy Nick Wagner um, over at ESPN did a good job talking about how you know with the numbers, um, how much better the offense is with check on the field, and with I think the number, with they, I mean the 49ers were the second best team in the NFL with two running backs on the field. Yeah. And they're almost averaging six yards per play.
2: Kyle Uzczyk, good player. <laughs> That's what I got. No, nothing.
3: Productivity no. shows up in the rest of the offense.
2: I lost you for a second, sorry.
3: Oh no, I just I was just rambling on about how Uzic's a good signing. Right, Let any, us know what you guys what you guys got, think about Uzicek in the chat.
2: Anyone got anything?
3: We can talk about um, Samson Abu Cam.
2: I need to learn how yeah, to pronounce you want to do, his name. Yeah, you, you want to do that first, or Jason Barrett? Up to you. Oh yeah, we can do Jason okay. Barrett. Yeah, I was just gonna do the the guys who are returning slash leaving, and then yeah. we can get to Ebukam. Okay, uh, I'm really excited to talk about him, so I want to I want to say him. Jason Barrett coming back to the 49ers. It's a one year deal. His he can earn up to six and a half million. His cap hit right now is like five point three million. Uh, I think this is, for me, I, I think this is a really low-risk, high-reward type of signing where um, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't break you financially. But if it does work out, you're getting a Pro Bowl-caliber cornerback for like $5.5 million, which is unheard of, So, except for yeah. guys on rookie deals. So I think this is this was a, a, a smart move by the 49ers, Verrett according to Ian Rappaport, turned out a multi-year deal with another unspecified club to come back to San Francisco. So, um, like I said, if he plays 16 games and he picks up where he left off last year, he'll probably be in a Pro Bowl, and the and the 49ers will be getting a really, really excellent cornerback for a fraction of what, of what he'd be worth.
3: Yeah, and there's obvious risk, right? Like, Jason Verrett, as long as he's in the NFL, is going to be a health risk. So, $5 million... <clears throat> there there are two sides of it, right? $5 million could be an incredible value for a, a really good corner if he is healthy, or it could be sort of an unfortunate thing that, you know, you have to give a guy $5 million and he's only going to play half the games or whatever. Right. Um, but $5 million doesn't kill you either way. It's not going to destroy your salary cap. And for Jason Verrett, like he was, he spoke about, it. I know the 49ers dealt with a ton of injuries last year, but he spoke about at the end of the season, how much, um he appreciated the 49ers approach to rehabilitating him physically and mm-hmm. the commitment that the 49ers had to him after 2019 when Verratt got hurt the 49ers made it clear th- to Verratt like they created a plan for him um right. and and that was even before he re-signed with the team he was he was a free agent after the 2019 season and, but the 49ers outlined a plan and say hey in 20 uh, or i guess 2018 no it was 2019 they said hey in 2020 we're going to we're going to have a plan for you we're going to get you right physically this time off is probably going to help you because you've dealt with so many other issues and then it proved to work and so you know he appreciates that the 49ers have a have a pretty cutting edge facility in Levi Stadium in terms of like rehab and Mm-hmm. Um, treatment and all that. So, and Verrett's from Fairfield. So I, I think he's, you know, he, he can obviously be close to family and all that. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's a good signing. I, I don't think it's going to preclude the 49ers from making any other significant investment
4: That's at it. cornerback. I agree. Right? Be-
3: because now you're really in a good spot to potentially draft a corner here because, you know, if, if Jason Verrett if Verrett and Mosley are your starters, and say you don't you don't bring back Kaywan Williams and, and you have to play Mosley in the slot, then if you draft a corner in the first round, then he's just playing in sub, right? And so it's sort of that kind of that sweet spot role for a rookie where he's getting time to play and, and develop, but you're also not relying on him to play hundred percent of the snaps. Um, even if
2: even if they, they do bring Kaywan Williams back, which I think is is on the table I wouldn't bet on it, but I think it's 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 definitely a possibility. Even if they do bring him back or sign a different slot corner, I think you still have to draft a corner because, totally, like you said, Jason Verrett, he played six games in four, four years prior to last year. Last year was the most snaps he'd ever played in a season. So even if you're getting – if you're drafting a corner in, say, the second round, say it's Tyson Campbell from Georgia or something, or you're drafting him in the second round, big draft guy, by the way, been grinding tape. Um, <laughs> but let's say you're taking him in the second round. Even if he sits for most of this year, and Verret balls out, is available for 16 games, makes a Pro Bowl, and cashes out in free agency next year, you have a cornerback now who's been in your building for a year, who has three yep. years left on his rookie deal that you can now slide in, and, and you feel more comfortable starting him versus not drafting a corner. Brett is either gets hurt or is excellent all year and leaves in free agency, and now next year you're sitting in a similar spot where right. you're going to have to use a relatively high draft pick on a corner. So
3: Yeah. And with the cap going up, you might be able to resign Verrett long-term or if you let him walk, you're probably looking at a, a pretty decent compensatory pick in 2022. Right. Um, if he's good, right? Like if he plays himself into a contract that pays him 45 million bucks over the next three years or whatever, um, you're going to get a good comp pick. So, yeah, I think – Overall, just just talking about you know Mosley, Verrett, and Juszczyk, I'm a big proponent this year of of teams spending in sort of that five million dollar range. Like if you can get a good starter for five million bucks, which the 49ers have basically in all three of those guys, and maybe you can even make the case with with Ebukam. Um, that that's that's a sort of the sweet spot I think for not only team building for you know 2021 when the cap. Is going is going to be significantly smaller, but just go, just beyond that, when you know, like you're you are you are keeping yourself, you're, you're not hamstringing yourself in any way into the future. And we'll see what happens with Trent Williams. I know we're all just sort of waiting on that news to drop. I'm I'm expecting Trent Williams to come back to the 49ers. I don't know that that's set in stone. Um, I don't know. You know, it looks like with the Chiefs getting Joe Thune, that that's probably not going to happen. Which basically leaves the Jaguars and the Colts as the only other suitors, unless there's there are another team's there's another team lurking in the weeds a little bit here. But, um, you know, Trent Williams made it pretty clear that he wants to come back to the Forty ers but he also wants to see what his market is. I just I just don't know. You know, does he want to go play on artificial turf in Indianapolis, and does he think that the Colts have a better chance of contending than the Forty ers do? I don't I don't know. Um he certainly can't think the Jaguars are have a better chance at contending, but on the other hand, they do have a whole lot more cap space and there's no state income tax in Florida. Um I so can, that I the
2: Jags make a push for him.
3: Yeah, I I was making I was um you don't think they're going to? No. Yeah, maybe not. But
2: no. I, I was listening to Trent Balkie's running their front office, so
3: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was listening to um to I think it was Robert May's podcast uh, on the Athletic, the Athletic uh, NFL show, and he had Joel Corey on, and they made a really good point about the AFC South, and that you know when you play in the NFL, you get you get taxed according to you get paid per game, right? So you get taxed according to whatever state that game is in. Yes. So like the. The AFC South is a huge advantage because most of those states have no state income tax, right? Like, you play in Houston every year. You play in, um, in Jacksonville and Indy, like, the, the tax rates in Tennessee, there, there's no state income tax in Tennessee. So, like, that, that's a pretty sizable advantage, I would think, for those teams, even though it, it probably, it's probably not going to matter for Trent Williams. But, um, the Trent Williams thing's a big one. I think people are going to be, Shocked when that number comes down. <laughs> when people say what that number is going to be, it's going to be if, a, a very, very
2: large contract. It's probably
3: actually be, I'm pretty confident it's going to be the biggest, biggest free agent contract of this uh, of this offseason.
2: If I said four and a hundred, do you think that is too outrageous?
3: Twenty um, five? No, no, not at all. Wow. I think he's I think he's wow. going to be substantially the highest paid tackle um, in the league. Wow. I, All right. I mean, that's just a that's just a hunch. I, I have you know whether it's with the forty ers or somebody else. You, but if you have um,
2: to, figure they were like I said when they traded for him, you had to figure they were already doing the math for how they were going to make him. Yeah. The highest Yeah. Especially with especially with the cap landing at one eighty two and a half and not one seventy five.
3: Right. And the longer the deal is, the easier to, it would be to structure from a from if you're the forty ers in terms of like. Saving cap room for the season. Right. So it might be longer than four years.
2: Um. All right. Let's talk about Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne is heading to the Patriots. I mentioned three-year, twenty-two and a half million dollar deal. Uh. <laughs> shout out to Kendrick Bourne for getting paid. Yeah. Three, I was. I think I said on this podcast. I think I said something to the effect of like maybe the Patriots will overpay for Kendrick Bourne and give him $8 million for a year. No, they gave him $22.5 for three. Yeah. I thought he was coming back to the 49ers and he'd do so on like a one-year $3 million deal because that's where I thought a player of his caliber would kind of land in this free agent cycle, but no, nope. He got sucked up. He P- P- the Patriots vacuum that's just spitting out money.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Patriots are, are doing... Like the the Patriots are always sort of looking at, and I think what they're doing this year is because mm-hmm. the cap's down, they're getting these guys on cheaper deals than they would normally. Um, and that's not to say sure. they didn't overpay for Kendrick Bourne, but like the other guys they're paying for, like Matthew Judon, in a normal year where the cap's going up, ten million would probably get you know D Ford's contract, yeah. right? The $18 dollars a year. But instead, he comes at a discount, and I think it's, what, 14, $15 million a year, something like that? Um, they get him at a discount because the cap is depressed, and there are so many pass rushers on the open market. So I think because the cap's going down and players are taking less money, now the Patriots have, have shifted their philosophy and decided that, hey, our 7-9 roster sucked last year. Um, no matter who our quarterback is, we got to make pretty significant improvements, but particularly at, at the pass catcher spot. And Boren fits what they want to do, and he's he's played in a lot of big games. Um, I think he's a he's a pretty unselfish guy. Um, like he fits, he he's totally fine being that second, third, fourth receiver, whatever you need him to be. He is good on third down, obviously. He's good in the red zone. Um, so I think that's sort of the type of guy you want to have, no matter who your quarterback is. And if you're bringing in a rookie, like that's if there's a guy who a rookie can develop trust with and know that, hey, this guy's pretty good on third down and he's reliable. I know he had drop drop passes and things like that, but he just had some some big moments and some big games. And so I think um, I think that's the type of thing that works for Bill Belichick. What I'm very curious to see is if Bourne is like the model patriot that that, uh, that Bill Belichick expects. Because I don't think it's Bourne gonna be had, that big of a game. Yeah, that's I mean. My Bourne, well, Bourne had issues with, like, being late to meetings, right? And that is, like, that is a terrible thing to, like, that's a terrible thing to do as a player is be late to meetings or miss meetings. And and that was an issue when he was an undrafted rookie. Um, but it turns out he was able to get over that and mature a little bit. Like, Kyle Shanahan's talked about it a lot. Like, Bourne would drive him crazy with stuff like that. And right. Bill Belichick doesn't have any any tolerance for that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting fit from that perspective.
2: I can't imagine that they would have shelled out a three year twenty two and a half million dollar deal if they thought it was gonna be a problem.
3: Oh totally. I agree.
2: And he's like, is he the best receiver on their roster right now?
4: It's I, Julian I'll be
2: Edelman Your other options are Julian Edelman, Jacoby Myers, and Nelson Aguilar. And Gunnar Olszewski. And Nikhil Harry? Who's the first I've heard of. Is Nikhil Harry still on their team? Maybe. Yeah, sure. I think
3: he's still on their team. I'm really
2: yeah, curious right now. I don't know what I'm getting.
3: Yeah, I I don't have an answer. I haven't watched enough Patriots. I think
2: he is. I think he is. He might be. So the fact you know, he's in the country, I don't know, a lot about the Patriots receiving core.
3: Six million dollars for your number one receiver—that's a huge bargain.
2: <laughs> I agree. But no, Bourne Bourne 137 guess, career receivers, A hundred of them went for first downs or touchdowns. Yeah, like, that's he has I mean. a role in a legitimate offense. And I think when you, Bill Belichick's whole thing is is tell me what you can do, not what he can't. And there's a lot of things that Kendrick Bourne is really good at. And I think the Patriots are going to put him in a spot to to maximize what he's good at. So good for him on getting a a giant contract from a from a from from New England.
3: Yeah, and everybody, we see your questions in the chat. Um, just keep them coming. We'll we'll get to them after we run, run through these uh these signings real quick.
2: Yeah, we're 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 gonna do the last one here Samson Ebukam, and then we're gonna just rip through the chat and answer any questions uh that you have there or if you want to speak uh we will take speakers as well just uh hit that little request button and uh and we'll chat so uh Samson Ebukam, the 49ers agreed to a two year deal worth up to thirteen and a half million dollars former Rams outside linebacker 14 sacks the all important stat here though chris and it was something you pointed out right away and i think that it is the the thing that matters the most uh it's a he's a four-year veteran he's played 64 of the 64 possible games never missed a game in the NFL which I I think when you're looking for somebody to either back up or replace Dee Ford, availability is is a key skill set Are you there? I'm gonna keep talking about him because I can't hear Chris, so I'm gonna keep talking. I think that Samson Epicam is a is a really really nice signing Can for you hear San me Francisco. Now? When you look at like what Leonard Floyd got, Leonard Floyd got, I think, four years and sixty four million. Like he's got sixteen million dollars a year from from the Rams. You look at Yannick Ngakwe, I think got thirteen a year from the the Raiders. Uh, all these defensive ends are signing these huge contracts and the 49ers weren't going to have the money to go out and get a get a big time free agent edge rusher like that so they went bargain hunting and they found a guy in Ebucam and I once we get Chris back here I I want to have him discuss Ebucam's spider graph his his athletic <laughs> measurables because they are unbelievable, and I think getting a guy this athletic at this size on this kind of deal is one of those things that maybe we look back on in January and go, oh yeah, that was a game-changing signing. Can you hear me? Yes, now I can.
3: Okay, sorry, my mic unplugged for some reason. I thought my mic broke, but thankfully it didn't. Um, so, yeah, this one's really interesting. Uh, so, purely from an athletic standpoint, to talk about uh, what, what you mentioned, Samson Ebucam coming out in the draft, he was a fourth round pick out of Eastern Washington. Um, in 2017, he was 240 pounds, so keep that in mind. Um, mm-hmm. He ran a 4 five, 40 He jumped 39 inches in the vertical and 95 inches in the broad jump, um, which are all um, like 93rd percentile and above, or I guess the, uh, <clears throat> the vertical jump is 89th is percentile. But the point is he's a ridiculous athlete, the, the question that the 49ers are going to have to answer, and we haven't gotten to talk to D'Amico Ryans yet, so we don't really know exactly what his defense is going to look like from a schematic standpoint. Um, and this indicates there might be a little bit of a shift, or it's either just they lacked speed off the edge when they didn't have D Ford last year, and they want to have that element um, in reserve if if Ford can't play. And they're going to risk re- they restructured Ford's contract. We're not exactly sure how that's all going to work out yet, but it sounds like um, Ford's going to stick around because the 49ers won't be able to cut him because it sounds like he's uh, he couldn't pass a physical after having his, his back injury last year, so he had guaranteed money, so the 49ers restructured it. They get a little bit of cap relief. We don't have all those details yet anyway, but have um, the structure. we have not seen the structure. Um, so Ebukam... Is a really interesting player in that, like you said, he's durable. Um, he's super athletic. I think he's probably going to take um, and Zatch's spot on special teams and be uh, be a core guy on teams, uh, as the football guys call it. And I mean, I so there's a whole lot of scenarios here, right? There, there's one where Ebukam's a nice sort of rotational player, like he was for the Rams. Um, somebody who you're you're going to feel fine as in a designated pass rusher role, but He's not like a building block and maybe somebody you could, you know, you could replace after the, the contract and uh, and that's fine because you're only paying him 6 million bucks, which is a relative bargain for a pass rusher. Or if he totally reaches immediately, but it's worth pointing out that it's sort of the best case scenario and that this stuff does happen. It's sort of like what, what happened when Shaq Barrett went to Tampa Bay, right? He was this athletic guy, didn't really have much of a role in Denver, um, showed some promise, and then signed sort of a middling contract with Tampa Bay and then became a star. And I'm not saying I'm expecting that of Ebucamp, but that's sort of like the all-time perfect scenario. And it's probably going to fall somewhere in between, but I like the signing from the standpoint of – they got a guy now that can push the pocket and be athletic in space on the edge in a way that the 49ers really couldn't last year. Like they didn't have that skill set with D Ford on the bench. Kerry Hyder in space against mobile quarterbacks just isn't going to work, right? Yeah. And that's not a knock on Kerry Hyder, but he's just a bigger um, de- defensive end who isn't nearly as athletic as Ebukam, who played outside linebacker. So, Right. Ebu Cam's gonna have to learn a new role, presumably, as a primary pass rusher. He's probably not gonna drop in coverage or or do much as as a linebacker, I don't think. Unless the forty ers go back to, you know, that five down base defense they had in um like in twenty seventeen and make Ebu Cam a Sam linebacker who's who lines up on the line of scrimmage and opposite tight ends, like maybe that's that's his role. Um, but I think he's he's more likely to just be a uh, a defensive end, somebody who spells D Ford. Um, if and if D Ford is not healthy, then you're able to you're you're able to replicate that speed sort of um, without having him in a way that they couldn't do last year.
2: Well, one of the things that D Ford was was so effective, and how he was so effective in their defense was I think we saw it. Really in the playoff game against the Vikings when D Ford was moving all around the, the defensive line and they had that, that look where he was rushing from the same side as Nick Bosa. Right. That's something I think Evie Cam is able to do. He's athletic enough to kind of line up, I think, anywhere. And having that versatility over having somebody like Kerry Hyder who, uh, you know, as, as, as good as he is or as good as he was last year, he's not able to do those things. So I, I, Really like this signing. I don't think that they just added a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's going to be a a 15-sack-a-year guy. But part of what made them so successful in 2019 was how deep their pass rush was and how for four quarters they were just going to have players who were going to get after the quarterback. They were never going to make it easy for 60 minutes. And I think this is the type of move that allows them to to replicate that.
3: And the price to me is probably the best part of it, right? You're getting you're you've got now four guys who are contributing for, you know, five, six million dollars a year each. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's where you wanna be. If you can get a decent starter or a really good starter in a couple of these guys' cases, I think you're in a really good spot. And I think that's where the forty nineers are right now. Now we'll see what their options are um beyond this because the Trent Williams domino is obviously a big one. Um, and if they bring him back, then, then they're going to be fine. They could pretty much take best player available in, in the draft um, because they won't have any super glaring needs because right now, I mean, maybe aside from center or right guard, If they bring Trent Williams back, you know, they, they don't really have holes. the 49ers going into free agency, or at least their, their, op, their objective going into free agency the last few years has been if we have glaring holes in the starting lineup, maybe fill them, um, maybe fill them in free agency and, and draft the best the best player you can. That didn't happen so much last year because you had the DeForest Buckner trade um, and Emmanuel Sanders leaving. But the year before that, that's that's sort of what they did. And so I think um, I think they're going to be in a good spot if they do if they do end up re-signing Trent Williams, obviously, because now you you re-sign your two starting cornerbacks. Presumably, you have room to add more in the draft, or if there's another like Casey Hayward type free agent, who I think would make a ton of sense on a cheap deal in that same price range. Um, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, somebody, I know somebody mentioned it in the chat. Um, I still think would make a lot of sense and is probably going to be a good addition to the right team. And um, and so, yeah, I, I like these signings because it feels like maybe earlier in this tenure, somebody like Samson Ebucam would have gotten, like, $12 million from the 49ers or something.
2: Yeah.
3: Right? Like, they gave they gave Quan Alexander a ton of money. They gave Quan Alexander $14 million a year. Right? They gave D4. They gave
2: Quan Alexander too much money.
3: They gave Quan Alexander way too much money. Um, You know, they probably gave Eric Armstead too much money. They probably gave D4 too much money. They definitely gave Jarek McKinnon too much money. So the fact that it seems like they're making these intriguing signings um, guys with upside at very little money, I think is encouraging.
2: I think so. I think so too. And I think it puts them in a really good spot moving forward. And I think they're going to continue being in a good spot even after they, even after they resign Trent Williams, which I think they wind up doing. Um, should you should get we to run through questions? the chat? Yeah, yeah let's do Let's do that. Let's start. I'm going to start at the top. Uh, Daniel Campos says to bring in Ryan Kerrigan for depth. I'm uncertain they'll do that now that they've signed Ebucam, but it wouldn't shock me. Like, it wouldn't fall out of my chair if Ryan Kerrigan wound up in San Francisco.
3: Ryan Kerrigan could be to Nick Bosa what Samson Ebucam is to D. Ford.
2: (laughs) Sure. Like he could be your backup. No, I, yeah, I I think that's kind of the role that, that he would take on. I I think it's probably less likely now than I did before free agency, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't send me. Yeah.
3: I mean, if, if they sign Trent Williams then a lot of these, you know, it's going to be really hard for them to find any, any free agents of, of note. Um, But if they don't, then I think they're going to have a ton of options and somebody like Ryan Kerrigan would definitely make sense.
2: Another one. And this is, this is a really interesting question that, I think maybe a lot of, a lot of people are going to have the longer this Trent Williams, we'll call it a negotiation drags on. Ernest asks, why is it so difficult for the Niners just to increase another four and a half, four to five million more to secure Trent Williams? I don't know, A, that they have to do that, but B, if I threw out four for a hundred earlier, if that's their offer, like at some point there's a ceiling.
3: Well, and Trent Williams can sign whenever he wants. Right. I mean, I... Right. I it may not, it may
2: not be a matter of money.
3: Right. I mean, Trent Williams probably has the 49ers offer, and he's probably sitting on it. You know, he's yeah. it doesn't matter if he signs in five minutes or in five days. You know, so we don't know exactly what the situation is because everybody's very tight-lipped at the moment. But, um, yeah, so we, I'm... Like I said, I still believe the forty ers are our favorites to to bring him back. And the fact that Chiefs do do? the fact that Chiefs made the the investment in Thoney indicates to me that they think so too. Right? Because I, I think they could have made Trent Williams work, but not no not anymore that, that they paid Joe Thunie.
2: I'm still I am still flabbergasted, flummoxed mm-hmm. that they cut both their tackles to free up both their tackles who were good players to free up the cap space to add a guard. Yeah. And I get that Joe Tooney's a really good player, but like that just, I don't know that, that was an odd move by them, especially, especially since they were being tied to Trent Williams. I just, I would be interested in the team building philosophy that says, yeah, let's pay a guard.
3: Well, if he plays tackle, it makes sense. He's played tackle in the past. And he's also played center. Um, so I think if he plays tackle or center, it probably makes sense. But if they just, you know, have if if they're paying him that much to be a guard, like that's that's a lot of money for a team that has so yeah. much money tied up in, you know, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Frank Clark and all those guys.
2: Jason wants to know if the Tooney deal will impact a potential Lakin Tomlinson extension. Um, I don't think it does. Yeah, Tomlinson's does not either. as good. Tomlinson's not as good. It's kind of it, it's it's and just to, it would be like asking if a Julio Jones extension is going to affect the Kendrick Bourne contract. It like does yeah,
3: that, I think does that make sense? I think yeah, I think uh, Tomlinson's better than Bourne, but I I think you you make a good point. I think Tooney Th- is it Tooney or Thuni?
2: I have. I've heard Tooney all day. That's Okay, thinking. so if it's
3: Tooney. Okay, so I think Tooney's sort of like the guard version of Trent Williams. Sort of like the yeah. s- the perfect guy to at yeah. that spot. Um and Lakin and Tomlinson is you know, like is Lakin Tomlinson ever gonna go to a Pro Bowl? Maybe. But I he's probably like, I don't know, one of the twenty best guards in the league. I have no idea how to, how to rank him among guards, but I, I just don't know that he's ever going to be at that level.
2: He ranks no among else. the NFL's guards.
3: Yeah, uh, among all NFL guards, he he ranks among them.
2: Yeah, that's that's um, a fact. Yeah, I would agree with that. Andre wants to know what Plan B is if they don't sign Trent Williams. Do they go free agent or draft? I imagine if they're not signing Trent Williams it's because they've put a ceiling on what they're willing to pay and they're ready to shift gears to the draft. And they have their eye on somebody there who's going to be cheaper and under team control for four years.
3: Yeah, I could see them signing, like, a middling free agent. You know, like, I have no idea what's going to happen with, like, Alejandro Villanueva, but I could see them hiring a cheaper 30-something guy, hiring, signing... (laughs) Somebody like that, and then and then still drafting somebody. But I think the long term option would definitely come a draft if they didn't if they didn't bring back Williams.
2: Brian Rennick, he's one of the guys on the Denim Dungeon podcast. He's checking in. He says that Ebu Cam was miscast in L. A. the same way that Shaq Barrett was miscast in Denver. Ebukam in the wide nine is going to be a nightmare for right tackles. That's the sense I'm getting from the 42 seconds of YouTube clips I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I I've been busy today. I haven't got to dive in on Game Pass yet, but that's, that's kind of the idea I've gotten is that athleticism like his on the edge is going to be nasty.
3: Yeah, and it's, it's a pure athleticism edge. traits thing, right? Like if you think you can carve out a role for him and maximize his skill set and put him in positions to succeed – Given the the talent on the 49ers defensive line already, he he certainly could be one of those guys that that comes out of nowhere. That that wouldn't to- totally surprise me because you're going to have Nick Bosa on the other side. Um, hope hopefully for the 49ers' sake, Javon Kinlaw develops into somebody that commands double teams. Maybe that allows Eric Armstead to be more potent from the inside when he's not having to play defensive end, and then maybe that optimizes whoever is playing on the, on the other side, whether that's Ebukam or D Ford. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think it's a fair point. And, and I would really like to, to to ask D'Amico Ryans what his plan is for, for Ebukam, because I I do think it is a, it is a pretty fascinating signing. Like, you know, Ebukam happening day one makes it feel like the 49ers made him a a clear priority, right? Like the 49ers are going to sign a lot of free agents over the next weeks and months. But like, Day one means they made this guy a priority, so they like something about him. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a possibility he makes a jump. Now, I'm not counting on it by any means, but I think it—I think that possibility is definitely there.
2: His career high in sacks, I believe, is four and a half. If I put his over/under on sacks this year at Double-checking here, yeah. Career-high four-and-a-half. He's done it the last two years. If I put his over-under at five-and-a-half sacks, what are you taking? Uh, Over. Wow.
3: Would you rather have – a? would you rather sign a guy coming off a career year with nine sacks after doing nothing previously or a guy who had back-to-back seasons with four-and-a-half sacks and didn't miss a game?
2: I want every game and not Terry Hyder. <laughs> But I also don't what? think we're running for Kerry Hyder because when you look at the deals, like Yannick and got thirteen a year. Yeah, Kerry Hyder is going to get like, like, like three or four million bucks. I just don't think he's gonna,
0: he's going to get paid a lot
2: relative to other defensive ends. I would three to four million is a lot of money to the rest of us. So. <laughs> let, yeah,
3: Hyder could definitely come back.
2: Let, your question. The 49ers trying to take a flyer on A.J. Green or Curtis Samuel. If you told me they signed one of those two players, I would guess it's Samuel. Just because he is so versatile, and I think the Niners would be able to do a lot of different things with him. Uh, I think A.J. Green might be a little bit cooked. And think can hurt. Supposedly not taking flyers on guys who have dealt with injuries.
3: Yeah, I think Samuel would make a ton of sense, but I think it's one of those one of those options that would only happen if they don't sign Trent Williams. Because he's probably gonna get yeah, I agree. You know, seven, eight million a year. Which is yeah. gonna be a lot for a third receiver. Um, yep. somebody else asked about Jalen Hurd. Um I need to find it. But Jalen Hurd I think is you know, if if you're looking at the roster right now. The first guy I look at when it comes to replacing Bourne is probably Jalen Hurd. Um, now, you can't mm. count on Jalen Hurd for anything because he missed his first two seasons and he just may never be healthy enough to play. But I think there is an opportunity for him. But there's also a very a very high likelihood that the 49ers are going to draft another receiver and maybe yeah. add somebody else in free agency. Um, and they're getting Travis Benjamin back. So I, I think, and you know, maybe it's Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe he comes back on the cheap because I know he he loved playing for the for the Niners. Um, but yeah, I, Jalen Hurd is. Uh, I think the Forty ers were expecting him to be healthy. He he suffered his ACL tear early in training camp, so it was about mid-August. So I think um, I think at this point it's about a ten-month injury. So you know, I, I I'm guessing he's going to be good to go. Um at, for sure by the start of the season, whether or not he's integrated early in training camp, I guess, remains to be seen as as far as his health stands up until then. But um I'm I'm Jalen Hurd is gonna be a very interesting figure for the forty nineers this offseason. Jalen because, Hurd is
2: great in theory.
3: Yeah, the idea of Jalen Hurd is like is Chase Claypool.
2: Can I can I <laughs> Right. So so
3: Peek Jalen Hurd is is what the Steelers got from from Chase Claypool.
2: Right. I I when you talk about I I just wrote about this over at Niners Wire and the immediate response from from a couple of people was well what about Jalen Hurd can't he fill? I wrote that the Niners have a receiver depth problem. I think they need to go invest a semi-significant resource in in adding a third receiver. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Hurd's name came up a couple of times. And yes, theoretically, if you came from the future and told me week one, Jalen Hurd is the Niners wide receiver three. I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, my jaw wouldn't drop to the floor. But I'm I, i I'm not ready to bank on that. Like, I, I'm not ready to go, oh, well, they don't need to bring in somebody because they have Jalen Hurd. And if that doesn't work out, no, River Craycraft. Like, it's just not, the, right. their their receiver depth isn't great. And their competition for the wide receiver three spot right now is probably headlined by Jalen Hurd, who, Chris, you just laid out. You just don't you don't know. He's been he's been hurt. That's yeah. not somebody you want to go into a season relying.
3: A healthy Jalen Hurd is going to be in the mix, but right now I'm very certain that the 49ers are not gonna not or they're not gonna avoid receivers in the draft or free agency because of Jalen Hurd. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna bolster the group as, as much as they can and then throw him in the mix. And if he earns a spot and he earns playing time, then then great. Because that means he'll have he'll probably have had to play at a pretty high level throughout training camp. And if there is a preseason um to earn that spot. So yeah, I think um I think the 49ers are not done at receiver. And like I've told you a bunch of times on the pod, like if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm drafting a receiver in the first within the first four rounds of every year um and just picking out a guy I like every year and just keep adding to it cuz that way you know like with receivers making 20 million bucks a year like i it's probably easier to just draft a bunch of good ones like the Steelers do and let guys go and just keep replenishing than it would be to try to pay one of these guys 20 million a year when you are already paying George Kittle presumably um you're going to be paying Trent Williams a, a ton of money and then you know you got to pay Fred Warner and eventually you got to pay Nick Bosa um, so yeah, I think every, I think they should draft a receiver, somebody who they think can turn into a quality starter every year.
2: Especially since I don't think they're going to resign Debo Samuel when the time comes. Yeah. I mean, it's way too it early you to tell, market money, money.
3: yeah, it's way too early to tell, but I think that's, that's definitely a possibility yeah. given his physicality, his health, the way he plays. Um, it, he might not be a guy you want to, you know, invest $18 million a year in. Particularly if you're Kyle Shanahan and you think, all right, well, I can just keep drafting receivers and replicate that production. Because Shanahan's done it two years in a row now. He did it with Debo and got, you know, a 1,000 yards out of him, and he got a really good rookie season out of Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, those are highly drafted guys, but I don't think Kyle Shanahan would have any problem drafting those guys
2: every year. Uh, Paul chiming in on the chat wants to know or or is saying that Juju Smith-Schuster and the 49ers have mutual interest per rumors. Chris, your thoughts?
3: I mean, I don't know about Is rumors. Juju good? Yeah, I, he's probably good in the role. Uh, like a, a, any Look, any free agent who's going to get a significant amount of money, I think it really just depends on the 49ers and whether or not they bring back Trent Williams. And if they don't, then yeah. Like, Juju could make sense. You could make that case. Um, Juju in the slot and then Debo and Ayuk outside – like that could that could definitely work. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I I think he's probably gonna be expensive to the point that um I bet the Jets yeah, would on- a lot of money. Yeah, he yeah. He like he would only he would only come to the 49ers if they were just dishing out a big contract because they don't have Trent Williams.
2: Yeah. That's my guess. I think that's probably right. And again, <laughs> again we thought we were gonna have an answer to all this, but it all revolves around Trent Williams. We said that before free agency. It's the case now.
1: Yeah.
3: Yep. So if anybody wants to uh, jump on and talk for a little bit, ask us a question, just shoot us a speaker request. We got Rob Louder in the house of Striking Gold. Um, Big Rob guy. Is, is Rob tired of talking?
2: Probably.
5: Where, where's Rob at? There he is.
2: So on doing a pod yesterday.
5: Rob, what's up, man? The moment I heard "Is Rob louder tired of talking?" I was like, "That was a direct challenge from Beaterman." And now I absolutely wait. Have say it again. I think it cut out. Well, up. when that when I first heard you say, "Is Rob tired of talking?" I just took that as a challenge. I took that personally.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Michael <laughs> live podcast? You,
3: yeah, you just came from striking gold, didn't you?
5: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been in here with you guys for about fifteen minutes or so, but yeah. Did we, you just uh, leave
2: Croc on striking gold?
5: <laughs> literally left <laughs> mid-episode and just came in here. I, I was like, I'm over it, man. I'll, you handle this. I'm going to go hang out with the uh, the OGs. Um, Andrew
2: Wiggins just hit a half-court three to end the half against the Lakers. That's hilarious. Anyways, keep going.
5: <laughs> Shut everybody up real quick. That guy did. Yeah. Um, did I mean, okay, Just let's just say, because I, I, I did hear you say that you feel like the 49ers are still kind of the favorites to land Trent Williams. And I, I kind of agree. I feel like maybe you know, I think he's probably by this time heard every offer that's going to come his way for the most part. There might be a little bit of bidding going on and kind of vying for a little bit better contract, but I think he's he probably knows what he's going to get at this point. Just considering the amount of huge deals we've already seen, I think any deal that Trent Williams would also be getting in addition to the 49ers he's already got. I feel like if the 49ers manage to keep Trent Williams, I will be pretty thoroughly impressed with what they've been able to do over the last week or so. Yeah. Like I I had I did not see this many people sticking around, not even close. Maybe one or two of the names that we've seen so far. I just always assumed Trent Williams was coming back. So we gotta see if that happens. But I've been pretty impressed so far and I I don't necessarily think the Forty ers you know, everything's for naught if Trent Williams doesn't come back. I've just been pretty impressed with the amount of stuff they've been able to pull off so far.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, the, my point, my point, and I wrote about it today, was, you know, like, you go back through the 49ers during the first week of free agency since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch took over in 2017, and it hasn't been great. They've given out a lot of contracts that just haven't worked out, and whether it was I, – I mean, a lot of it has to do with injury, but, like, Pierre Garçon signed a big deal, didn't work out. Malcolm Smith was – Probably their worst signing, but and, and that was bad when it happened, and then he got hurt and never really did anything for them. Um, Jarek McKinnon obviously wasn't a, wasn't a good contract because he got hurt. All these guys got hurt, and so I think now, to Rob's point, there's there are positive things to take away, at least from the first day, in that they haven't given out one of these contracts that you look at and say, man, this could really screw
5: them if it doesn't work out.
2: Did they make a bad move today?
5: I don't think so. I mean, when you're like, when you're like highest-paid player Kam. per year is is a whole six million dollars, or maybe it's yeah. even less than that. The Ebu deal, like, you're really not in a position to to screw things up. Yeah, and so
2: it, sorry, Patrick Willis is weighing it. He's standing right in front of my microphone, but <laughs> I also think it, it signals a little bit where they're at with Trent Williams. The fact that they weren't in the mix handing out big-time contracts at all today. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um and it depends on you know like they don't they don't have a great answer for if kaywan Williams leaves right now right like Emmanuel Mosley can play there theoretically but we haven't seen him play the slot for any considerable amount of time in the league um not that he can't but you know like that the Emmanuel Mo, uh the Kaywon Williams situation is certainly one to watch um but yeah it's it's all it's all Trent Williams for sure right now we got I would be, um,
2: real quick, real quick. I would yeah. be fascinated to see what they do if they don't sign Trent Williams. Like the dominoes that fall after that. Because we yeah. brought up, we brought up a lot of the names. We brought up Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, who was, who was the other, who is the other guy we brought up? Uh, Curtis Samuel. Curtis, Curtis Samuel, yeah. I would be super interested to see what, what they have lined up because you figure they have contingency plans for everything. I would yeah. be super, super interested to see what that contingency plan is. Do you guys? And it might,
3: well, it might be that by the time people listen to this Tuesday, Trent Williams has already signed with the Forty ers or elsewhere too. That's a, that's a possibility.
2: That's a great point. It's eight fifty-six p.m. Monday. Trent Williams has not signed. <laughs> so if you're hearing this and he's already signed, it, it's not like we missed it. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> do you guys think if the Forty ers don't get Trent Williams and they don't make like a super obvious free agent signing to replace him, do you think that's like? the new favorite for pick 12. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Even if, even if they, even if they sign somebody, I think it's still the obvious pick because whoever they're going to sign in the free agent market at this point is not going to be any kind of long-term answer. So that just shifts the whole calculus.
3: Totally. Totally agree. If they like the Northwestern guy at guard,
2: I could see them. Rashawn Slater.
3: Yeah. Rashawn Slater. I could see them picking him. um, Even if they do bring back Williams.
2: How far into the tape have you guys gotten under Rashawn Slater? I haven't watched
3: any tape yet <laughs> because free agency is starting, and I'm trying to try not to water my brain down here.
2: I'm halfway through his high school all 22. <laughs> <laughs> have,
3: you, have you talked to the strength coaches yet?
2: Yes, yes, I actually went down to the campus. <laughs>
3: Rave reviews.
2: Took a look around. Um.
3: All right. Well, we got David Barry. He's been waiting a little bit uh, in the in the request. I'm going to let him on now. David, what's up, man? Can you hear us?
6: What's up, Dave? Yeah, can you hear can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Hey, first hey, first off, uh, Kyle, what's up? What's Kyle up, Dave? Here? What's going on? Um, I yes. actually did I did come up with a legit question and then I have another one. But um I guess it's first based off of oh, gosh what no no no, it's, it's not bad, <laughs> but um, <laughs> based off of what you guys know on like what Kyle shanahan like how his offense is and everything what which wide receiver would you say in free agency just based off of what you know now would make the most sense like to go after
3: that is a good question um, I think Curtis it might be Samuel Curtis. makes James. sense.
2: You know who I don't you know, can I say who I think doesn't make sense? <laughs> sure. I don't think I don't think Kenny Galladay makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I mean not at not at his price and not I mean the the right. 49ers haven't really had that guy, that type of like tall um like jump ball type guy. So what the what they what they really prioritize is explosiveness in and out of breaks, right? So a lot of people talk about route running, but some of the route running stuff isn't always done in college. Mm-hmm. They, they look for those those explosive traits, like how quickly do you, do you make your cuts and can you create separation when you do make those cuts? Um, so I thought Corey Davis would have made a bunch of sense, sort of in that physical, like, I think it, it's Z receiver, Rob. You're gonna have to correct me on this. Is it the Z that's lined up on the line of scrimmage that has to beat press? It has to like be more physical, or is it the X? Anyway, whichever one, whichever one, the the bigger physical one would have been. I th- I think Corey Davis would have fit, and it makes sense because he he went to the Jets and they're running a version of Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, I think Juju makes sense. Uh, I've heard Juju as sort of um the archetype for what like Pierre Garcon's role. As sort of that physical mm-hmm. um, possession receiver, a lot of people talked about Juju as, as sort of the yeah. archetype for for that type of role in the offense. So I think he would make sense. But again, I think that's going to be more money than the 49ers are going to be willing to to spend here.
5: Aguilar went to the Pats. Uh, what about Mar- Marvin? Jones? X receiver is your big your big boy.
3: Thank you. Appreciate that. Yep. That's what I thought. What about Marvin? Um, God, T. Y. Hilton's sitting out there.
5: He is. I don't hate that. I don't either. He's looked really good that. the past like year, year and a half. He started to like really come on. He struggled with some injuries, but then you know, has actually looked pretty impressive over the last year. T Y Hilton is
2: just quietly awesome for his entire career and just nobody really noticed because he was in <laughs> Indianapolis. I like Marvin Jones. Oh, I'm a big proponent of Marvin Jones of the 49ers. But, again, I think that's the kind of deal where he's going to get paid more than they're probably going to be able to afford.
5: It's been weird to see how little the the, the free agent market has moved at receivers so far. I mean, isn't it pretty much like Corey Davis and Nelson Aguilar? And I guess Kendra Ford, Shout out to Kendra Ford.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
5: I think it's because uh, a lot other, of people... The other
2: name that jumps out. Can, Can you hear
5: first... me?
3: Sorry, my mic's. My mic's – I don't know if my mic or connection's been in and out. Um, would you guys rather sign 31-year-old T.Y. Hilton or 34-year-old Emmanuel Sanders? And given their price, Hilton's going to be more expensive.
5: Emmanuel Sanders, for sure.
2: I,
3: Sanders I think
5: do. I agree, especially considering, I mean, he's just like plug and play. Like He already knows everything going on there. Okay, okay.
2: well – What was your second question, Dave?
6: Oh, uh, this one goes back to last week. Um, I don't know if it was answered because I think this may have cut off. I'm not sure, but uh, Chris' favorite NFL socks.
1: Mm. Oh,
3: favorite what NFL list?
1: List.
3: socks. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember this getting asked. Uh, I I'm I really like the Bills socks.
5: Mm. The
3: blue and red stripes are good. Um, the Chiefs, the Chief socks are good. Who else is good socks? I'm anti like what the Falcons did with like the solid socks. Like, I think that's weak. I think you need something, right. some some sort of because like it, otherwise it just looks like you're wearing tights or something. You know, like yeah. it looks if you, especially if they're the same color as the pants. It's just like this monochrome. I'm not into that monochrome thing. Um, but no, any of those any of those teams with striped socks. I'm a I'm a big fan yeah. of the forty. Like I think the 49ers are missing an opportunity if they don't bring back the striped socks with those throwback uniforms if those are, in fact, coming back in uh, 2021, which I think they will be.
2: I agree. Good question. Dynamite. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. A couple names that we didn't get to there receiver. Brian in the chat brings up John Brown. Or not John Brown, but John Ross. Uh, no, John Brown. I was looking at John Ross, and then somebody else said John Ross. Brian Rennick said John Brown. I think John Brown is a super fascinating player formerly with the Cardinals, and then he was with the Ravens for a bit, and then the Bills. Do you remember, and,
3: bef- do you remember before that Bills game we were talking about the Bills and there were significant splits for Josh yeah. Allen versus when yeah. John Brown was on the field and when he wasn't?
2: Yeah, and he wasn't on the field for the Niners game, and Josh Allen torched the 49ers anyway.
3: Yeah, so that taked in last. But I, but I think it spoke to, like, John Brown could be good in the right offense with the right quarterback.
2: I think so, too. He's a He's right. a... I, I like that take from Bri. Um The other one that stands out to me, and this goes back to like pre-draft, I rate this player way too high because I thought they were going to be good and they're just not that good of an NFL player is Zay Jones. I think yeah. Zay Jones could be really effective in the Kendrick Bourne role, but he's been in the NFL for like four years and hasn't produced. But, hey, I'm going to cling to my pre-draft take that he's going to be a good player.
3: Um, Yeah, uh, I'm gonna bring in Ryan. Yeah, as a speaker, Lance will get to you in a sec. What's up, guys? Uh, Ryan? What's up, man?
1: Hey, Ryan. Hey guys, uh, I just got a quick question. Um, this is purely hypothetical. I'm just curious, where do you guys draw the line on a Deshaun Watson trade? So if the Texans ask for X, right, whatever, you say no. We we're not willing to go up that much.
2: If you ask me this, so you're asking me this now, if you ask me this again in 10 minutes, I'd probably have a different answer for you. But right now, I'm in the headspace of, like, let them write the check. That that's the, like, let them name their price, and there's there's not one that's too high. Like, obviously, there's a ceiling. If they say I want 50 years with the first-round picks and Bosa and Warner, that's that's obviously too high. But any reasonable ceiling like four first round picks and Fred Warner and Brandon Ayuk or what, I'm just picking a couple of good players. I I'm in, but then I hear the argument against that and, and I can swing the other way. So I'm a purely sitting on the fence on this one, but right now at 9:04 PM on a Monday, I'm feeling giving up whatever it's going to take to get him.
3: Yeah. I think, um, I think I would draw the line in Nick Bosa and like, if there were three first round picks, I'd do it for sure. Um, and it would probably, like, be three firsts and two seconds or something, which I would still probably do, especially if you can sort of split up the twos down the road. Um, I think I mentioned this on the pod before. I am not opposed – I would not be opposed to the idea of trading Fred Warner. Right. Um, including him in that deal because I think he has a ton of value. And, obviously, he's a he's a great player. He's, he's one of the two or three best inside linebackers in football right now. But – I don't know that it's an ideal scenario to pay a middle linebacker $18 million a year or whatever it's going to take on Fred Warner's next contract. I just think that's a lot. And I think you could probably draft another good linebacker and get him on a rookie contract. And there's obviously going to be a drop-off, but I think the 49ers could probably withstand it and still field a good defense. And if that is the difference between being able to get Deshaun Watson and not, I would definitely do it. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting the 49ers to go that route, but I I would, I think just about every player on the roster is tradable for Deshaun Watson in my eyes, except for Nick Bosa, because I still think Nick Bosa, I mean, he's the type of player that if the 49ers were to trade him, they would probably get two, two first round picks for him at least right. Two first round picks in a second. Like it would basically be what the Raiders got for Khalil Mack.
2: There's no draft compensation, like I said. There's there's crazy ceilings, but there's no reasonable draft compensation that I would draw the line on. Yeah,
3: yeah. My my point is is like, if if they want you know three first round picks and Nick Bosa, I'm telling them to kick rocks because right. I yeah. I view that as five first round picks.
2: Right? Because you get right. two for Bosa?
3: Right, and that's probably too much. So like. You know, if if it was Fred Warner, if it was George Kittle, like any of these other guys, Eric Armstead, any of these other big contracts that the Forty ers have, I would I would definitely do it because I think as good as those guys are, I think getting Deshaun Watson would make up a difference in whatever you're losing, and you could replace those guys with rookies or other free agents on cheaper
1: contracts. But to counter that, though, quarterback's the most important position, right? And if you can get Deshaun Watson, even though it sucks losing Nick Bosa, I love Nick Bosa as much as the next guy, as much as it would suck losing Nick Bosa, if Deshaun Watson's there and you have to give up Nick Bosa for him, you give that up. You don't even think twice.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I get that point. But if the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl, they're going to need some dudes on defense. And Deshaun Watson doesn't cure all of your problems, right? Like we just saw Deshaun Watson have – arguably the best season of any quarterback last year, and the Texans still went 4-12. and 12. Right. And, and I know the 49ers have a completely different situation and foundation and um, just a much better roster with fewer holes when they're healthy, obviously. But um, I just think, like, if the goal is to win championships, you need a Nick Bosa or somebody of that ilk on your defense, and the reason why the 49ers have had such a hard time getting Nick Bosa or anyone like that is just because those guys don't mm-hmm. become available. So to be able to draft one, to have one on a rookie contract, makes that super valuable. And if you look at, um, if you look at the Super Bowl winners from the last few years, like there have been a lot of dudes along the defensive line, whether it's, um, you know, Shaq Barrett, JPP, um, Frank Clark for the Chiefs was obviously a huge problem for the Niners. Um, you know, Brandon, Brandon Bram. Graham, yeah. Oh, yeah, all those dudes. So I, I think you need a guy like that to win the Super Bowl. And getting Deshaun Watson would obviously be a huge thing. But I just I, I don't know. Like, if the 49ers kept Nick Bosa and got Deshaun Watson, they would be the betting favorites to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And I don't, and I don't think it would be particularly close because I think the NFC is pretty wide open right now. But if you mm-hmm. if you give up Bosa in that deal then you really are going to have questions about the defense and you have a first-time coordinator um, and you're turning over a significant portion of the secondary. You're running a new scheme. Like I just, I I would be leery of that. So that's, that's for me, that's why Nick Bosa is, is, is the line.
2: It is a quarterback league and therefore it is also a effect to the quarterback league. And Nick Bosa in his rookie year was, Projecting to be one of the best quarterback effectors in the league, so that's why I think it, you you hang on to Nick Bosa, and this is something that I've come up with and I'm workshopping it as a as a theory. You guys can use it if you want. Defense wins championships. <laughs> it's something I made up, and it, credit me if you use it. Um, I think it's too, it's too too defensive end is too important of a position, especially when you have a great defensive end. I think you can cobble together a defense elsewhere, but if you don't have a good pass rush or an effective pass rush, it's eventually going to bite you uh, against the teams you're going to face in the playoffs. Maybe it gets you to the playoffs, maybe it wins you a game or two. But if you're facing Aaron Rodgers and you don't have a way to impact Aaron Rodgers around the line of scrimmage, you're not going to beat him.
1: I see what you're saying. But I feel like the Niners kind of got capped out on, like, the serviceable quarterback, oh, yeah, everything else. You know what I mean? Like, I just think if you can go get Deshaun Watson, as much as it would suck, it's a quarterback-driven league, like you said. And you get a top three quarterback, you just do that. They, they don't come on the market ever. You don't see Deshaun Watson's getting moved. So if you can go out and get him, you go out and get him no matter what the price
3: yeah, I think we're just going to have to agree to
2: disagree. I I, I see the point, and I hey, think don't come on our podcast and disagree with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I to, I get I get it. Go ahead, Chris.
3: Yeah, I, I totally get it. I just I, I think it would be you know I, I think one of the most valuable things in the league aside from a quarterback, aside from an elite quarterback, is a potential like defensive rookie of the year or sorry defensive player of the year on a rookie contract. And that's what the 49ers would get from Nick Bosa for the next two years, and then even then they would have him under contract for for the additional fifth year on his fifth year option, assuming he doesn't hold out, which he might. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get you, I get your point. It is a quarterback driven league, and doing that changes the entire calculus. But I think the 49ers winning a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson is much more likely to happen with Nick Bosa than it would be without him, because I don't know I don't know how they would get that guy. Unless they hit on, you know, a, a first-round pick in the in the 20s <laughs> or something, right? And there isn't—that's a whole lot harder than than landing somebody at number two who was a star out of the gate.
1: True. And then I I just have a second question. Um, sure. How do you think the Niners aggr- address the strong safety position? Tavarius Moore in the draft. To Moore bring him back? Yeah, I think. Well, Tavarius
3: Moore is t- under contract for under contract. another year. Yeah. Um, he said after the after the season he was going to add weight. Um, I think the 49ers liked what they saw from him at strong safety. Safety would make them <clears throat> a little bit more interchangeable and and multiple in terms of, you know, the looks they want to throw at quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, I think I think Tarverius Moore is is the clear favorite to start right now. And like Kyle said, like it it wouldn't surprise me at all if they used a a day two or day three pick on a safety. I would be really surprised if they, if they went, I know there was some talk about the TCU guy. Um, I think Todd McShay I mocked into the 49ers um, early, early on. But you know, that would, that would really surprise me because I, they do like Jimmy Ward and, and Tavarius more there. But I, to, to replace Marcel Harris's spot, or at least give Marcel Harris a run for his roster spot with the potential to, Develop a, a starter there. I think that that spot on the roster would make sense for like a third or fourth round pick.
1: Interesting. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah. No problem. Um. All right, Lance. We're we're gonna we're gonna let uh Lance ask a question and then we're gonna bolt out of here because we've been well over an hour. Yeah.
2: Go ahead, Lance. Let her rip. Hey
3: Lance, what's up, man? Mm. Yeah.
2: Lance. Nice. Hear me.
6: All right. Yeah, what happened up, at this show? No, we got
2: him. I got him. Go ahead. Oh, man. you got
6: him? Okay. Okay, I okay, got you. Uh, oh, there he is. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm not, like, I've been reading the reports about it earlier. I know my buddy Jordan in the chat is going to get on me about it, but I read that the Niners had interest in Trubisky. I want to know what y'all would think about his possible – does he have a possible fit in Shanahan's offense? Do you see him succeeding there if they do try to pull the trigger? Because more than likely it will probably be as a backup, unless they're actually still thinking about possibly trading Jimmy, but I'm not sure.
2: He's better than Nick Mullins, which yeah. is what they would be looking to upgrade I don't think there's any chance they bring him in as a starter he's mobile he was accurate in college um i if if the forty ers think that they can salvage the skill set that made him the number two overall pick then it would make a lot of sense but you know like I said if they they need to improve it back up if they're gonna move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo and I think Trubisky would represent that as sad as that sounds
3: totally agree and it reminds me um in 2017 after the 2017 drafts, Kyle Shanahan was asked by somebody who his favorite quarterback was in that class and he said Trubisky and that was obviously the, the class that Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were in or what yeah we're in and so like I thought that was fascinating because I didn't believe him at all, I, and and that might just be my bias because I was completely out on Trubisky even as a prospect watching him. Um, I liked Watson and Mahomes um, a lot better, but you you have to think that even if Kyle Shanahan didn't believe it, he wasn't going to do a trade with the Bears and then publicly <laughs> basically like mock them by saying yeah Trubisky wasn't even my favorite quarterback and they just gave us they just moved up a spot and gave us an extra pick for no reason. Um, so he said that they liked Trubisky the most out of any other quarterback in that draft. I don't know how much I believe it, but um, yeah, I think he would fit. I think he would fit as a backup, definitely not as a starter. Um, to me, I think the only poss- the, the only possibilities for the 49ers right now is either going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or Deshaun Watson, and I would put the Deshaun Watson thing at a very small likelihood of it happening because I think if he were to come available, he would probably prefer, um, it, it would be likely that the Dolphins or even the Jets or Carolina would be able to have, would be able to offer much more than San Francisco would. The only caveat I would say, because Deshaun Watson has that no trade clause, he could basically force himself to wherever he wants to go. So if he wants to come to the 49ers, then, then it would become much more likely. But, um, it all comes back to I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the guy, and any other quarterback they add is is more than likely going to be Garoppolo's backup in 2021. And maybe they draft somebody to develop. Um, and if they can get Trubisky on the cheap, I think it would it would definitely make sense. And if he actually you know if he played well and lived up to his draft promise, then it would be you know found money for the 49ers. But I wouldn't expect that. I'm and I'm I might be biased because I've just I'm just out on Trubisky.
0: Yeah, he um, stinks.
3: He's not general. a
2: good NFL quarterback.
3: Yeah. But um, it's possible. I could see it. I think it's more likely somebody like Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett would be brought in as a free agent. I think that type, that type of player would make more sense to me.
2: I would, if I'm the 49ers, I'd rather pay a couple million more for Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton than Mitchell Trubisky, but who knows? Yeah. All right, guys that was a good one our first
3: our first successful locker room app pod um appreciate you guys showing up and asking us questions shout out to Rob for coming on for a sec and uh and we'll we'll talk to you guys later in the week we won't do a locker room we'll do a normal a normal pod that you guys can check out on the feed and we will uh break down everything that happened and we'll probably talk more about trouble
2: Candlestick (laughs) (laughs) Chronicles subscribe rate and review if you haven't
3: yep
4: Thanks, guys. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com